you know, several, uh, you know, there was a, a time where a man was, was found floating in the Mediterranean Sea, and he had uh, two bullet holes in his, uh, in his back. He was, he was rescued by some Italian fishermen uh, in the Mediterranean around uh, Marseille. And, and then they, they found out, he finally woke up, and they found out that he had some extreme amnesia. And then he went to, you know, he found, found some film in his, in his hip, and, and that led him to a bank in Zurich, Switzerland, where at least he found his name, and his name was Jason Bourne. And for the rest of that movie, he's doing his best to try to find out who he is because he knows that if he doesn't know who he is, he's just going to be floundering around life. And if he doesn't know who he is, he's never going to be able to fulfill the purpose. He's never going to be able to fulfill the call and the, the mission of his life. And the same is true with us, isn't it? That if we don't know our identity, if we don't know who we are, we're just going to go floundering through life and we're just going to go and we're going to, to go after shadow missions. We're going to go after things that we will never really know our mission. We'll never know the purpose that we have. We'll never know why God put us on the earth unless we really know our identity, who we are. And, and, and the last thing, I want you to know, the last thing Satan wants you to know is who you are as a, uh, as a, as a believer. The last thing he wants you to know. And this is exactly what he did. He went after Satan, or Jesus, uh, early on in his ministry. In fact, at the very beginning of his, of his ministry. In Matthew chapter 3, watch what happens. The father's about to make a declaration of who Jesus is. And he says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and a voice don't miss this and a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love with him I'm well pleased the father went out of his way to declare this is this is my son and I love him I'm so pleased with him and immediately after he did that uh, what does Jesus do he is led by the Holy Spirit into the desert and and Satan comes after him Satan comes after him full bore and what is, how does he come after him watch this watch what he says before every temptation he says this, if you are the son of God, then turn this bread into stone. If you are the son of God, then jump off the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the son of God. And think of it, the father has just said, this is who you are. And the very thing that he goes after now is, oh, are you really that? Is that what you are? Is that who you really think you are? And the same thing is true in our life. God declares us as his children, but, but Satan goes immediately after us and immediately says, you really think you're that? You really think that's who God thinks of you? And I want you to know, I think there's three things that Satan does not want you to know. First and foremost is the salvation that we are, that's available in Jesus Christ. I also want you to, that he does not want us to know that our identity. And he also does not want us to know the power that which we can live, uh, which is the Holy Spirit. And next week we start a series on the Holy Spirit. Do not miss this. I'm telling you, it, we call it the game changer because that is what Jesus said was going to happen. This, this one who was sent was going to change everything. Was Finally, we're going to have the power to live the, the life that we're called to live. And I want to say again, Crossroads, way to go. You guys are amazing. That We're going to be starting uh, studies uh, in midweek and on Sunday mornings that continue what we're going to be talking about on, on Sunday mornings and, and, and a book there. And you, it, We already sold out of the book the first time, but the books are, we've reordered and there's going to be books available as, uh, as well for that. So don't miss, don't miss that series. So here's the question is, is, who are we? If Satan doesn't want to know that, and God definitely wants us to know who we are, who are we? And the Bible makes it clear, we are God's children. Let's make that personal. You are God's son or you are God's 
precious daughter as, uh, as well. And when we understand that, it will change our lives. Think about what happened when, when Jesus' disciples asked him to teach him to pray. And what was the first thing he said? He said, pray like this, our what? Our Father. And this may not mean that much to us. That blew them away because they, they could not even comprehend to come to God in that kind of relationship. They never thought they could have that kind of intimacy with, uh, with, with God. And, and it also made them realize that, hey, wait, if, if God's our father, then we're his, we're his children. And that blew them away. And, then, and John confirmed that as well in the, in the Bible. In 1 John, he says this, how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. But that's who we are. And you know, the weird thing is, is, is I remember one time there were some, some people at a, at a men's conference and, and a guy came around and he goes, you're God, you're, God loves you and God loves you and God loves you and God loves you. And he pointed at me and I said, he said, God loves you. And I said, yeah, but I'm his favorite. And, and, and the thing is, I am, but so are you. I, I don't mean, I mean, truly, you are God's favorite. You're not just a person that God, not his child, you're his, you're his favorite. Uh, and he's able to do that. He is able to have everybody as absolutely his, uh, his, his favorite. And Paul takes this even further. Don't miss this. He said, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or daughtership. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And that word there for Abba, it's the, um, the word Abba, it's the Aramaic word, and it's the most intimate word you could possibly use for uh, for for a relationship with uh, with a with with a dad. And it's really saying that it's saying daddy. It's saying, and, and we're, he's saying that we can actually come to God and say, daddy, papa. Um, and he goes on to say in Galatians, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our, our hearts. The spirit who cries out, here it is again, Abba, Daddy, Father. So you are no, don't miss this, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And since you are a son or a daughter, God has also made you an, an heir. And this is the thing that we can either have a concept of ourselves as either a slave, hear this, as either a slave or a son or daughter. That's our, that's our, our concept. And the sad thing is so many people, even Christians, people who believe in God, uh, they, they still are in the mindset that they are a slave, a slave to sin, a slave to whatever, whatever there. And that's not the, it's not the truth here. In fact, you think about it when God rescued his people from, from Egyptian captivity, Think about what happened. They were, they were slaves one minute, but they were actually free the next. They were the children of God the next moment. But the problem is they still had Egypt in them. They were out of Egypt, but they still thought like Egyptians. They still thought like slaves. They still acted like slaves. And sometimes there's, there's precious children of God that still think like slaves and still act like slaves. So here's the question. What is the difference between a, between a child of God and a slave? How, what's, the, what's the difference in relationship? And the first thing is, number one, is, is intimacy. I remember when I used to, when I used to come home from, uh, from, from work every day, and when my kids were little, I'd come through the door, and they would jump, they'd yell, Daddy, and they would jump in my arms. And, and it, was, it was truly my favorite part of the day. And I, and I didn't say, you know, get away from me, you're my child, you know, anything. I didn't only well allow it. I loved it. It was what I looked forward to every day. And they had my heart. They had my, they could, they, they, they could tell me anything. They could, I, they had places in my heart that nobody else, else had. And the same thing is that's the picture that God wants us to have, that, that he doesn't just tolerate you. 
He loves you. And he wakes through, and, and, and his best part of his day is when you come jumping in his arms and say, say, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I want to have a relationship with, uh, with, with you. That kind of intimacy. And there's a big difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody, isn't there? Because I have a picture, I think I've said this before, but I have a picture in a yearbook that has uh, a page that has two people in it. One is, uh, one is the picture of the Secretary of State uh, that I went to school with when I was going to school. He was the Secretary of State's dad, I mean son, that I was going to school with. So the Secretary of State was there and I thought it was kind of cool to, to get my picture with him and, and things. So I came up to him and I said, hey, would you mind if I got my picture taken with you? And he asked, answered what I thought was one of the dumbest, you know, dumbest responses in history. He said, well, do you have a camera? And I said, yeah. And, I, and he said, he said, what's your name? And I said, Lowell McNaney, what's yours? <laughs> And so, you know, I could say I know him, couldn't I? Because I met him. I mean, I had a, I, I had a one-time relationship with him. I one-time met him and I had that. But next to him is a picture of my roommate, Ross, that I had for several years. And Ross and I, man, we did everything together. We played sports together. We played on teams together. We went running together. We studied together. We went, went on double dates together. We laughed together. We watched movies together. We even sometimes, a couple of times, cried together. We prayed together. We did everything together. Now, now you know what I want? I don't want to know Jesus like this, like I know the Secretary of State's. So, you know, I, I want to know, I want to know Jesus like even better than I know my roommate where we laugh together and we cry together and we talk together and we walk together and everything we do. And there's a big difference. And God is saying we can have that kind of intimacy. No, think about your closest friend, your dearest friend, the person who's closest in your heart. and think that is just a taste of the relationship and the intimacy that we can have with God almighty. And the second thing is, is this is, is access. And there's, uh, I, want, I want you to think too, is where were, where did the slaves live? Did they live in the house or outside the house? Lived outside the house, didn't they? But where did the children live? Did they live in the house or out, the, out of the house? And obviously they lived in the house. You know, there's a story and it's a true story about a, a man in the Civil War and he was a soldier and he went to, to try to, he got a, a, a furlough for a couple of days to go to the, to, to the White House and try to beg his case to be able to have an extended furlough because of this. Both his dad and his brother were killed in the Battle of Gettysburg and his mom was in no shape where she could possibly plant the, uh, plant the fields for the, uh, for, and, and the crops and know that she could die and destitute because of, because of that. So he went to try to plead his case and he went to the front of the, uh, the White House and a guard met him there and said, and he, and he said, you know, this is what he wanted. And he said, you can't come in here. He said, there's a war going on. In fact, you need to get back to your unit is what you need to be. And so he went away dejected and he was sitting on a, on a park bench in Washington, D.C. and uh, not far from the White House. And a, a little boy came up to him and he said, what's the matter, mister? And he said, for some reason, he just told the, the little boy what, what was going on in his life. And the little boy said, grabbed his hand and said, come with me. And they walked up to the very thing, guard that just said uh, moments, moments ago, you can't come in and walked right past him. Then they went walking right into the, the White House and walking right through the, the, the quarters where there's generals and, and heads, of, heads of, of armies right there. And, and he's wondering, why is nobody stopping me? Why is nobody stopping us? And then they came to the, the door of the Oval Office. He did not knock. This little boy didn't knock. He walked right in. And, the, then, and President Lincoln looked at him along with the, the Secretary of War at that time and looked at them. And, and, and Abraham Lincoln said this, hi, Todd. Please introduce me to your friend. And Todd Lincoln, the, the, the son of Abraham Lincoln, explained what was going on with this man. And he was given the extended furlough. 
What's the difference? Relationship, right? The relationship gave that kind of access, that kind of intimacy, that kind of things. And listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews. It says this. This will change our life if we understand this. Let us then approach the throne of God with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the word there for confidence, it's, it means this in the Greek. Outspokenness, frankness, bluntness, assurance. And even the fact that we can go and approach God with what was really on our heart and everything and be real with, with him blows us away. But we can have boldness to do that. We can have confidence to, to do that. You want to find out how to do that, read the Psalms because, because David does ex- exactly that. He never dishonors. He never comes in a dishonoring way, but he comes in a bold way, knowing his relationship with, uh, with, with God. And the sad, third thing is standing. A slave's standing is based on performance, isn't it? And a son or daughter's relationship is, uh, or standing is based on relationship. And think of this, the father was with Jesus. When did he say, this is so important, when did he say, this is my beloved child, a son uh, with whom I'm well pleased? Was it before his ministry or after his ministry or during his ministry? It was before his ministry. Do you know what that means? I mean, it was before he had done his, preached his first sermon. It was before he had done his first miracle. You know what that means? That he was pleased with his son before he did anything for him. He was pleased with his son based on just the relationship that he had. And I think I've said this before, but I I used to go in when my kids were small, when my daughters were small. I have three daughters. And when they were small, I would go into their room and I would just... I would just watch them sleep and I just watch them in their crib and I just see that and, and I, I was so I was so overwhelmed. I was so overwhelmed with love for them. And it just it was one of those times that God just showed, you know, if you love them that much, how much do you think I love you? And the thing is that was amazing, I'd sit there and think, you know what, they're not doing anything for me. They're not mowing the lawn. They're not, you know, they're not doing chores. They're not doing anything. In fact, at this time of life, they're, you know, sometimes more of a pain. We have to change them and look after them and, 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 and get up in the middle of the night and everything like that. And, and, but I couldn't love anything more in a, in a million years. And again, if, I, if we can do that as, as human beings, how much more can God? I wonder, you know, I mean, Zephaniah says that he not only just watches us in our sleep, he sings over us in our, in our sleep. That the God of the universe looks at you and is just so filled with love for you, just likes to look at you. He just loves to watch you, just loves to see, not because you're doing anything for him, not because you're, you're achieving this certain thing, but simply because he loves you and you're, and you're his. You know, another thing is, um, there was a true story about Babe Ruth. He had already hit his 714th and final home run. He was playing at this time with the Boston Braves, no longer with the, with the New York Yankees. And one, he had come up to bat three times that game, and he'd struck out three times. And he began to hear boos. And I mean boo after boo after boo. The place pelted him. A home, the home stand pelted him with boos. And this little boy who, who idolized him came running up out of the stands and came running up and, and grabbed him around the, around the knees and, and just started, started crying because of the way they were treating uh, Babe Ruth. And Babe picked up the little boy and he held him in his arms and started walking back to the dugout. And at this point, people started to, to clap instead of the boo and, and began a standing ovation. What was the difference? The first one was based on his performance. The second was based on his relationship. And I thank God that we're based on, that our, our, our judgment comes down to God's performance, that Jesus' performance on the cross and not our, and not our performance. And something that, um, that I thought of there too is, is my brother. My brother, um, Mike, gave my parents every reason why not to love him. 
Uh, my brother was a horrible son. He really was. He was a cocaine addict, as I've said, and all he did was steal and cause our family hell and pain and everything else. And, but here I, I can look at my dad and I can look at my mom and say they never, ever, ever stopped loving him in any way. You know, my brother was, a, was adopted. And uh, the Bible says this, and just like us, because we're adopted too, aren't we? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Don't miss that. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he, he loves. You know, my brother was adopted, but we never, ever knew it. We found out about that at the same time we were standing next to each other, and my, and my parents uh, told us. And we were in, I was in my early teens, he was in his, mid, his mid-teens. And then we were left there together. And I'll tell you what we didn't do. I didn't say, well, that answers a lot of questions while you're treated completely different from me, right? We didn't even know. We didn't even know. that We couldn't even tell the difference between the, the one who was born in there and the one who was adopted in there. And I'll tell you, there's people in, uh, in here, in this room I know right now, uh, and who are watching that are my, my heroes. Because of this, you've, um, you did special needs adoptions. Not only that you adopted, that's just incredible, but there's some that you, you didn't, it didn't just stop you because there were people who, who had, you knew it would cost you a lot of money. You knew it would cost you a lot of time and extra effort. And this, this person was, was hurting in some, in some way and had special needs. And, and that not only didn't, didn't stop you, it endeared you to them. And if there's ever the heart of God right there, that's what it is. That God did not love us. That God did not go out after us because we were the most beautiful, because we had our act together in any way like that. But God actually went after us because, because it, while the Bible says while we were yet sinners, then, you know, then is, is when Christ was sent for us. And my brother, I remember my, I asked my mom, I said, there was in the days where you could choose who you were going to adopt. And they told me there was a whole room of people and my mom and dad chose him. And I, that's what I said to my brother. I said, well, the cool thing is, is I was, I was just had, you were chosen, <laughs> you know? And that's really what happened. And I said, why, mom, why did you choose him? And she said this, she said, he had the worst case of diaper rash I've, I've ever seen in my life. I said, he needed me and I wanted him. And that's the God that we serve is he looks down, he goes, we need him. And he wanted us. Not because we were beautiful, not because we had our act together, not because our performance was flawless in any way, but simply because he was pure love and he knew that we needed him so desperately. If we're based on Christ's performance and not our own performance, our relationship, then we can get off the roller coaster. And you know what else we can do is we can, we can relax and we can, we can love God and serve God and enjoy God, not to earn his favor, not to earn his love, but because we already have it. And that's the biggest difference in the world. And that's the next thing is motivation is the, is the difference. What is the motivation of a slave? It's fear, isn't it? What is the motivation of a, of a child? It is, it is love and it's gratitude and honor. And, uh, and, and, and which of those is more fun? Which of those is more enjoyable? Which of those gets the, gets the job done more? Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever worked for a boss or a coach or anything like that that you absolutely feared? It is, is it fun? Is it enjoyable? I worked for a, a, a man one time that he was a, a raging alcoholic. And so we, most of the time we'd walk in and he'd be passed out drunk in his Porsche or he'd be in his office passed out and things. And the only time we'd really see him is when he chewed somebody out or he fired somebody. That was about our relationship. And there was fear. And I'm telling you what, there wasn't a whole lot of performance that took place based on that fear. 
But I remember my, my dad, I knew my dad loved me and knew my dad cared for me. And I'll tell you one thing, it didn't make me try to want to honor him less. It made me want to honor him more than I did Larry. And it wasn't, it, I didn't try to, I didn't want to do less. I wanted to do everything I could to please him. I wanted to do everything I could to bring a smile to his face and do nothing to, to hurt him. I mean, the motivation of love, the motivation of gratitude is a thousand times stronger than the motivation of fear. Because think of it, man, there, what, would, what do you do for fear? What do you do for, because you have to. Yeah, if you do something, it's going to be half-hearted at the most. But what will you do out of love? You will climb the highest mountain. You will ford the, the, the deepest sea. You will, you will fight the, the, the most demonic dragon or die trying. You will do anything for, uh, for love. And that's the relationship. It's not that when we come to God and, and we, we realize it's based on love and not performance, it should not hinder our performance. It should make it where we love God and serve God and are grateful to God and do more for God than ever, than ever before. And finally, there's one other, and that's inheritance. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we shared in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is absolutely mind-boggling to me. I want you to th- imagine that, that, you know, I know that Bill Gates, he, only, he has three kids. He has one, one son and two daughters. Imagine that he only had one son. And that he adopted you into his family. And imagine you, he died and you found out, you realized that, that he had made you a co-heir with his, with his son. Do you think you'd try to find out what was involved in that, in that inheritance? Do you think maybe you'd do anything to try to find out what that inheritance was that you have been, you have been, been given? You and I have been given an inheritance that is a, a million times greater than that inheritance. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything. And I don't know about you, but I want to spend the rest of my life trying to find out what is involved in that inheritance, what is included in that inheritance, because there's so much more that's included in that that we don't understand, that we, that, that we don't take advantage of because we don't understand that. And I know that's like a whole sermon series in its, in its own, but I pray that we, are, we, are, we have a quest to try to find out what, what is involved in, in, the, uh, in that kind of inheritance. And if we could just bow our head for a moment. There's a lot of Christians. And, if, uh, and I want to make clear that we're a son or daughter of God if we've come into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we become a, a son or daughter of God. But so many people, they live more as slaves in their mind and, and their life is that roller coaster of, God, I feel close to you. No, I don't. God, I feel close to you. No, I don't. But what would happen if we understood that we were a a precious son or daughter that that God looks at us and says, there's my son, there's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased and we'll never be the Messiah. We'll never be God in human flesh like Jesus was. But somehow God looks at us and says, I adopt you into my family, not because you have everything together, but because you don't. Because the diaper rash on your soul is so extreme that I just want you. I want you because I made you and I created you and I died for you. And I just want to say, if there's anybody here that has not given their life to Jesus Christ, and you don't know that intimacy with the Father, and your sins aren't forgiven, that even right now, that you can just pray in your heart, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've got diaper rash of the soul. God, I come to you in relationship. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. 
And as we do that, I want you to know there is an intimacy. There's access that you can come amazingly boldly before the throne, not dishonoring, but just knowing that you have a relationship with God and a standing with God based on what Jesus did for you, not what you do for him. And you know you have a new standing based on a relationship and not based on fear, based on love and a new motivation and an amazing new inheritance. And so God, take the slave mentality out of our mind and our soul and our heart and help us to live as your precious children. Help us, help us, God, just every day of our life to jump in your arms and say, Daddy, that we want nothing more than to just be close to you. And I know you want nothing more than to be close to us because that's why you made us. God, help us to live in that intimacy that you provided. In Jesus' name, amen.